do me a favor if you are listening please hit the subscribe button like share rate review the podcast it really means more than you realize i believe every business owner has a story to tell through seeking true authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey i provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen this is the county business talks podcast powered by picture book films That is a pivotal moment, I think, for, for everyone, honestly. Um, for us, we've just had our biggest ever year, um, 2019 festival. We've had something like 600, just over 600,000 people attending the Fringe. We had just over 1,000 events, um, you know, somewhere around 5,500 performances, 180 venues. Um, and 2020 was looking amazing um, I mean we were ahead. sold over a hundred thousand pounds worth of tickets uh, we were three weeks out from the from the venue builds um, and then everything stopped and then when Boris came on saying that's it was it 18th of March or something uh, we were it was being dropped we were dropped off a cliff really we were really uh, staring down the barrel of the gun it was about three hundred and fifty thousand pounds uh, we had to find. Uh, I remember the first time going out to see a show after what was six months of, of lockdowns and mm. everything closed. I had tears in my eyes just to think I'm sitting here in a theatre watching live performance. And in the end, Brighton Fringe is a platform for people to take part in lives. Nothing can really replace the transient joy that you experience of sitting down or standing up you know, beer in your hand or not um, and watching the lights go up and teetering on a knife edge really it really is it could be the last ever fringe I believe every business owner has a story to tell through seeking true authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picture Book Films. Okay, welcome to another episode of the County Business Talks podcast. My guest this week is a creative and entrepreneurial cultural leader. Working for 25 years across the UK and worldwide, he's passionate about widening access to the arts for both artists and audiences. He leads the central administration and management of England's largest annual arts festival, 750 events in 130 venues with 380,000 attendances in 2022. I'm delighted to welcome CEO of Brighton Fringe, Julian Cady. How are you, Julian? I'm well, how are you? Very well, very well. Listen, great to have you on. We obviously met recently um, at a coffee and caught up and fascinating to hear your story and I was like I couldn't wait to obviously get you on and, and share your journey with, with, with the listeners so um, look we're going to jump straight in mm-hmm. just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your story. Um, I think I, I, I think it's quite an unconventional journey to mm. get to where I am but then again I, I was thinking about it that a lot of people working in this creative industry have got their own individual different stories. So I, I suppose my mine is quite uh, a conventional um, middle class 
uh, upbringing um, and nothing within my school life indicated that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Um, and what, what did you want from a young age? What was your... Well, I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted. Um, I was, I, you know, I was a bit of a bit, bit of a bit of an outsider, bit of a loner, bit of a. Um, I'd spend a lot of time just thinking and reading, and I, I had ambitions to do things creatively. But the people who did drama at school were all the cool ones, <laughs> and I wasn't in that clique. So it was only when I went to um, what was Bristol Poly. Um, when I, uh, after I tanked my A-levels, um, I uh, joined, I decided to reinvent myself somehow. And I went in, blank blank piece of paper, no one knew me, and I decided I would join the drama group. And uh, from that point on, I kind of found my my place. From having a fairly un unhappy school, I, I, I then just was on that track. Um, doing like acting in plays writing plays producing plays directing plays and and doing the like camera like filming the show and then I'd, I'd start I started up my own little cottage business of um copying the the VHS tapes and selling <laughs> yeah. them to the to the cast members and their friends and I'd yeah. and I, I'd make a make a sort of 10 pound a pop um, which wasn't too bad actually at, at the time yeah. um, in the in the early 90s um, so I had a little small business already as a student um, <laughs> selling the selling the tapes because I had I'd nicked my dad's um, camera <laughs> video Brilliant. camera Brilliant. <laughs> well not nicked obviously. Yeah, yeah. borrowed for <laughs> a long period of time yeah. um, and uh, so I, I, I got into I got into that and and then I got to the end of university as it became a uni um, and I got applications for drama school so I, I studied modern languages at university I studied French and German um, uh, always been a linguist so that was also something a bit different at school no one else really was into languages like I was so yeah. I had a French girlfriend and uh, that was kind of the driver I'll be honest yeah, 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 um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and I was already we were already living together uh, when I was at uni and um, I got all the drama drama school applications and I remember laying them out on the table and I didn't dare reply. I didn't think I was good enough. And really? uh, I talked to my dad, who's an accountant. He said, oh, what you want to do is you, you don't want to go and do an MBA or anything like that. You, you want to just go and work for a... Go, go, go and get a job in a, in a marketing agency. You're quite creative. So um, I followed his advice. And I went to... I got a job at, as a trainee at a, uh, a pr product design agency uh, as an accountant handler uh so but not you, but your pa your passion was obviously with the creative side exactly uh, so it, it, it so i kind of went having done all the creative things i then went and became a suit in a in an agency just uh, because of a, because a lack of self-belief that you did a bit yeah, yeah. And, and i and i and so i i then went and i, I was uh, at the same time as doing all of all of this because I, I worked my way up and uh i i i was i was working for i worked in two different well, it became first was a was a big uh, group um, was product design and then it was um, sales promotion so on pack promotions for 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 FMCG um, fast moving consumer goods and uh, just working out marketing campaigns um, product design working with the creatives um, 
And then we were doing more conventional advertising at the next agency. So I was three, three and a half years working in agencies, but at the same time I was doing um, plays wow. every, every night after work. I'd go and rehearse plays um, and I, I'd be performing them in, ch- in church halls and, and so on. And again, this is just because I, I personally enjoyed it. No, no one else in the agency, sometimes some people didn't even know what I was doing. You know, I was just <laughs> going off and, and doing it quietly on the side. And you saw I, that then more as a hobby as opposed to something you'd potentially... Yeah, exactly. Or. And, and I, I even threaded in some of my day job into my my passion in that um, we worked for one of my clients was jacob's jacob's biscuits and they they had uh, jacob's cream crackers and ritz biscuits and twiglets um and twiglets was they were trying to make themselves cool um they had some new flavors um a lot of twiglets were consumed in the office i'll tell you (laughs) um and uh we uh, i i did a partnership up with jonglers um to, to create the twiglets comedy tour um, so I was I, I, I produced a 28 date comedy tour with um, big name comedians. Um, yeah, that was in 1998. Wow. Um, while I was still working in the in, in, in the agency, so I was go- going out on tour as a as an account handler um, for 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 a brand, um, <laughs> doing the thing I enjoy, which is producing Brilliant. producing shows. And I took it up to Edinburgh uh, in 1998. But I'd already been my first year at Edinburgh was in '96. Um, as an amateur dramatics thing and it was in marketing week and marketing magazine and, and all of that kind of thing we d- I did all the marketing for the show as well because mm. um, I, I worked in marketing so I could I could connect that up um, and uh, it was by 1997 I, I, I met someone who was working in a really interesting way so I started a course an evening course in acting uh, and I did that alongside the day job. And by the sort of end of 98, after I'd done this comedy tour, I made the jump to uh, say, right, I'm going to give up the day job. I've, I've earned some money. Um, I'm, I, I'll, I'll give this a try. Yeah. So I um, told my MD, he called me a C word, because he was about, he, he said, "I can see you're going to be a, you're going to be an account director." You know, I was a senior <laughs> account manager. You know, it was it was sort of going on that path, yeah. um, and I made that decision um, for to, to 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 make that to make that jump to um, to be an actor, and so I I, I did hard graft at drama school. Um, mm. It was a Russian uh, theatre director who. Who, who ran it and so we shaved our heads and did yoga every morning meditation <laughs> you know every the cold baths it was it was like being in soviet russia um uh I moved to north london uh and by, by that time i i i, I uh, uh settled down um and uh, you know got married and and so on while i was still finishing off drama school and i became a professional actor um graduated I'm, a, I'm maybe going to be answering some further questions at the same time but um I, uh, I i then sort of started in this path that i'm in now really yeah and that because so, so, to take just to take that decision i guess right at the st- you've got that sort of safety net of a of a job and a role where you're getting that month to but what strikes me listening to you talk that entrepreneurial mindset always and the creative side that always looking for a solution always looking for a different opportunity or, or something that you wanted to change that you're not happy with where 
that that situation. So I'm gonna, or what situation you're in, you're looking at how can I, how, how can I be creative? Because this is what I love doing, and I want to mm. incorporate that into to my role. So I guess always that path was sort of where you wanted to go with it. Yeah, I, d- I just, I I think because I didn't, I, I had a, I, c- I was a bit like an only child, even though my dad stresses that I'm not an only child and my sister <laughs> my sister says I'm definitely not an only child um, but she was six years younger so it was always a it was quite that gap in age yeah, yeah. so she was never really interesting until she had friends who were quite interesting <laughs> um, <laughs> you know in my early 20s and uh, you know they, they, they'd reached 18 and I was thinking oh, I think I might take you to the <laughs> <Yeah>. pub uh, <laughs> brilliant brilliant so yeah, so you know, it, it was a. I think it, th- there was that sort of going, going it alone. I was, I, and also I was. Um, school time, I hated. I was sent to boarding school, right. and I, uh, I, I think it, it taught me a lot about being resolute and strong mm. in the face of what was quite a lonely time. Uh, it was a, a naval good. college, oh, so wow. I was, uh, you know, it was marching, and you know, there the, the were quite. It, it was I, things aren't the same now, and the schools have changed enormously yeah. from 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 what what it was then, and so I was I, I think just not really cut out for that, but it also made me stronger in yeah. in that way, you know. Because you felt that like during that school period that you didn't like you said you alluded to earlier that you maybe didn't fit in to those type of cliques or popular groups or whatever you, you sort of you allude to I guess that's to again alluding to the fact that you said about being quite a lonely yeah yeah I mean it was it was a it was a lonely um time that I think just made me I suppose in the end pretty pig-headed and stubborn I think there's the one 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 thing I probably describe myself as being is really bloody stubborn (laughs) um I'm I'm you know what I've got once I've got my bit the bit between my teeth about something I'm not going to let go yeah. until I see a resolution, and that and that might take a decade yeah. uh, or longer, um, <laughs> because I can see the long term, you know, where I think this needs to go, yeah. um, and we'll just find any any route to get through. Like, and, and d- d- water. Do, you, do you feel like that because of that situation that you're in, that, that obviously the creative side of you, like the the drama and and that so it was maybe like an escapism of of that situation because of the, the where you were in in school life was it did it feel yeah, like that yeah i mean i was always a bit of a show off at home oh, oh, okay um and i was and i with the camera work I, I when my dad got this video camera um i was i would like film like comedy sketches at home with <laughs> um, with actually with my sister sort of wandering around in the background <laughs> I, I, I was my dad got like loads of uh head um what are they called um Head, um, it, it was going to make a hedge, so it was with these um, fir trees oh. that that annoy neighbours. You know the ones that just grow <laughs> really, really high, and they, so th- we had pots and pots of them. And uh, we, I remember filming some um, sort of uh, uh, David Attenborough or sort of David Bellamy type um, <laughs> sort of going through <laughs> the forest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Brilliant. laughs> that sort of. <laughs> Things that are really enjoyable for me to do probably looked terrible for anyone else to watch. <laughs> but, it, 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 you know, the, the creative, um, I suppose, ideas were flowing without 
I suppose the need for an audience necessarily. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. As long as I was enjoying myself and, and with my kids, I, I certainly enjoyed myself um, uh, with the dad jokes that, that <laughs> entertain me a lot more than they get entertained. Let's <laughs> <laughs> put it out. I'm, I'm, I'm keen, like, with the, so go, going into, uh, I guess, the, the role as, as an actor and auditioning and, and that, that type of lifestyle, I imagine being quite a tough lifestyle, a lot of, you know, rejection, I guess, in that sense as well. And I, I, my uncle's, uh, I think we spoke offline a bit, my uncle's mm. a former actor as well. And yeah. um, we talked about that, you know, you've got to have that, like you said, that thick skin that you possibly built at school held you, I guess, in a, in, a, in a good state to go into that industry. Yeah, I mean, being an actor, you're basically doing job interviews every day. Um, maybe two, sometimes three times a day, you'd be going up for an audition and you're, you're, you're really like a piece of meat yeah. um, going up in front of the camera, um, showing your hands, uh, turning left, turning right, um, saying who you are, uh, what's your agency, and then do a piece to camera, um, prepare something, do something wow. you've pre-prepared or um, read a script or improvise something. And it's, uh, it's it really is dance, monkey boy, dance um, when it comes to that, especially for commercials. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of TV commercials because as I got kids, I couldn't tour with theatre so much. So I was doing much more the TV commercial side, which was quite funny because I was working. I had, you know, a year before or a few years before I'd started um, uh, doing these adverts, I was making adverts. So I, I, I was you know, working with, with the agencies um, as a suit, yeah. doing doing ad campaigns. And so then I was an actor working <laughs> in ad campaigns, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I always found quite amusing that yeah. I was, I was uh, like on the other side. So I was looking at these people who thought the world of themselves and thinking, God, I was doing that. And I, I, I so it, 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 it's, a, it's quite grounding really yeah. in that you, you can see through the facade of, of all of this because it is all just a facade, yeah. um, really, this whole desire there's, there's so much um smoke and mirrors in the uh, in the marketing world and uh, yeah. uh, which is kind of why i left it um e even though you know it was paid it was paid well yeah. but you're you're a gun for hire working in an agency and you, you you'll, you'll say to one client you know uh, i i really love your product and you don't Really <laughs> <Yeah. love the laughs> Come on, be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, there are other ones, um, and and you're doing the pitch after pitch after pitch, um, which is a bit like an audition as well, um, saying how great everything is that they do, and in order just to get the money, and then lying. There's a lot of lying in in in, 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 in um, uh, marketing agencies, and uh, you know you'll say, oh, "I'm not. We're not making any money out of this." When the client's cutting stuff down, oh, you are making a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, th there is there is a bit of that that kind of ethically I I got a bit fed up yeah. um, from that side of things, and and uh, and I get I guess back back to the the resilience I guess building from becoming a professional actor and going in that stage to like some of those skills that you've learned from from that go let's go full circles you go from the marketing to the acting and then obviously starting your own business as well and those skills that you learn uh, along the way must uh, talk to me about some of them skills that you've learned there to, that took you, you took into the business world well 
I mean, in the end, it all helped. Um, so leaving drama school, I uh, was able to bring skills together. I, I was, uh, as, as I was coming to the end of drama school, I, I said to the, the principal, um, why don't we do Edinburgh? Edinburgh Fringe. I, I did Edinburgh in 96 and in 98. Uh, also, no, 97 as well, actually. Um, <laughs> and then, so in, by 1999, uh, I said, let's, let's go and do Edinburgh. So I found a venue up in Edinburgh and uh, we brought up, I think, two shows that year um, with the drama school and I was the, the producer of the shows. Um, and then in 2000, we took seven shows up uh, and we found sponsors um, with Arts and Business was one sponsor and Scotland Online and uh, the Italian Cultural Institute, I think, that was the first ever sponsors we had. Um, and it's it's like looking for sponsors and understanding how to do a, to write a pitch. Yeah. Um, how to work, how to how to merge arts and business was was kind of the, was something I'd already been doing, um, and I was interested in 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 producing events because I I pr- co-produced in '96 and um, and then the, the, the comedy tour and so on. So it felt like a natural progression so that as soon as I left drama school I started my business um, with with my with some colleagues who were um, uh, th- th- it was actually already a business that existed um, and with my Edinburgh experience um, the people who, d- who were in the who, who, who invited me to join them uh, said well you you enjoy right you enjoy running events I remember him saying um, <laughs> maybe yeah, we can start doing things in Edinburgh. So that was in 2002. 2003, we formed a company called Theatre Entertainments Limited. Um, well, it was called Theatre Entertainments. We decided to call it Sweet. Um, Sweet Entertainments that became Sweet Venues. Um, uh, because it was in hotel suites. We, we, wow. we started a, a thing um, up in Edinburgh. We, we, we had a, a hotel on the Royal Mile, the Crown Plaza Hotel. Um, and we had... I think in the first year we had two, three, three, three small theatres, one 140 seats, another 50, and then a cabaret bar. Um, and that started with us wanting to produce our own work, and then it became a business, and we had 52 shows that year. Um, and it suddenly became this thing. And when we, we brought, we, we created a, a TV station because there was a couple of my colleagues who were into TV producing, so. We, we, we partnered up with JVC, Apple, Avid, um, some studios in Soho um, for, the, for the editing. And we had some students, I think, from, um, uh, uh, oh God, there's a, there's a college in uh, southeast London. It just escapes me now. Um, and they, they, they students came up and they were, they were doing the, 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 the online editing and stuff for the TV station and, and so on. So it was a, a very much a multimedia thing. And we did... We did Podcasts, uh, not podcasts, uh, webcasts, <laughs> when no one could watch them because <laughs> everyone was on dial-up. So we, we, we got this. We, we got an invest, had an, an, a, a sponsorship from a, uh, a company called uh, Scotland Online, as I said a minute ago. That they they then put a satellite on the roof of the hotel, and uh, we did a. We, we were doing webcasts um, from there um, before anyone else. It was Sweet TV. And then the following year, 2004, we did the Sweet HD Festival, which was a high-definition film festival. We were, the, I think, 
the biggest HD film festival in the world um, wow. because no one else was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we we had HD HD film. We we we, we had um, what's his name? Uh, Anthony Dodmantle, um, who was uh, the um, uh, the uh, art director for Dogville with with um, Lars von Trier. Um, come down and do a do a, do a talk, and we had yeah, all sorts of partnerships mm-hmm. as well as doing theatre. So it was kind of bringing in different strands of of my life and other people's lives just to feed into this 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 thing, which was a uh, didn't make any money. We didn't right. make any money. It was it it just about washed its face, and I think that's but been you love doing it. Just love doing it. It's it, it the build up to it, the the excitement of 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 it all, and and just watching, you know, you know, when you have a party and uh, you've got all the canapes out and you're like waiting for the people to arrive <laughs> and, uh, and, and you think, oh God, I haven't invited, you know, are they going to come? And then suddenly the door opens or, the, or the, 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 the doorbell rings and everyone comes in and it's a great night. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and everyone ends up in the kitchen. And, and it's, it, it was a bit like that, really, because you, you just don't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, we also had a, a few gimmicks, like marketing gimmicks as well. Um, we did a show where nothing happens called Sweet FA. So that was the very first show we did for Sweet Venues. Um, was a was a show called Sweet FA, which was no show. Um, we, had a, we, sh- we had some empty slots um, at the, at, in the main theatre and we decided we'd do this thing called Sweet FA we invented a, uh, a fictitious uh, German um, uh, theatre director uh, again I can't remember his name <laughs> Heinrich, Heinrich Schmidt or something <laughs> um, and uh, we put out press releases and um, the first night of this show um, we had I think nine uh, journalists and that was it. I was sitting at the tech in the tech desk um, because we needed to have it because it was the, the, the theatre license conditions. But there were no lights. I didn't put the <laughs> lights and sound on because there was no show. So they came and sat down and it was one hour of nothing. It was broadcast live on, on Sweet TV. <laughs> it was on inaugural, inaugural webcast of nothingness. And we had um, Scottish MSPs commenting. It was front page news on the Scotsman, in the Times... Um, it was in the Sydney Morning Herald. It was it was it, it, it was put <laughs> out on Reuters, um, and it was the it was the talk of the Edinburgh Fringe. This this crazy gimmick, Sweet <laughs> FA, um, and uh, it was it was it was great. No, of course, not many people came, but that didn't really <laughs> matter. And and actually, the, the, the that first um, night was quite an extraordinary social experiment because the, all of these these journalists were like there waiting with their with their with their notes ready to do a review, uh, and they, when they <laughs> realised that really there is nothing happening, um, they started talking to each other, and it became a bit like a, a like a networking session of, of colleagues who who all work in the business, yeah. and they were like chatting, and they came up and talked to me, and then they you know they, they wandered around, and and it, and it became like a you know, like a, a nice chat at the start of the festival for them to um, to get into uh, get into gear if you will, and that was. Uh, yeah. It was really, it was really interesting. I'm really pleased uh, we did that. But I guess it's about having fun with it. Um, it's what I want to sort of underpin with everything. Um, it's, uh, it's about, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, don't take yourself too seriously. I love that. You know what? It's, some, it's something really 
fascinating for me about that, and because many people are, I interview on here, and we um, we sort of spoke a bit offline about it. Uh, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, people, uh, and that level of success is valued on or people's measurement of success is their financial gain and how they mm. what they've achieved in life or their achievements and their business is a success I put my teeth back in a success because of their financial gain and listening to you talk and about those different things I didn't make any money but the passion in what you how you talk about it and how mm. you describe it and and life in general about you know what want to have fun and that's what because Ultimately, that's got to be where what we're all looking for and what life's all about is fulfilment and do the things that you love doing on a daily basis because it's not then work and it's of course we all have to earn money to a degree to pay bills and put food on the table I get mm. that but but ultimately it's not about that huge financial reward it's about doing the things that you love and and that it, with passion yeah that's and, I, and, I, and I, th- I think you know in the end I've got got a job that I love. Um, working in the industry I love I've got a salary um, yeah. a lot of people don't yeah. in the industry and you know I, I'm 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 comfortable yeah. but I'm not you know probably do with a bit more <laughs> be honest couldn't we all, couldn't we all. <laughs> especially but now I, I, I tell you what I find fascinating as well just listening to that that journey for you from from a man who sat there with the with all these drama school applications and or, or and looked at it and went, oh, I'm not ready to do that or lack of self-confidence to do that, to then go and eventually do it and then go and do 52 shows in a thing and set up what you did with w- and the production company and all of those things. Where, that mind shift, where does that, where does that come about in that, that mind shift of that lack of self-confidence maybe to actually then go, well, I can do whatever I want to. I think it's also finding like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think you can ever do anything alone. Um, that's a thing that you learn the hard way uh, in life. You know, doing it and finding that you couldn't really do it without other people's help. And and it wasn't a it wasn't a solo project doing mm-hmm. doing sweet theatre vet theatre uh, theatre entertainments yeah. and sweet 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 entertainment sweet venues. We were um, for directors um and we all just shared a shared a passion we we had our specific things that we enjoyed more Mm. uh, and we followed those particular channels and and did what what we what we each enjoyed within that but together we shared a a desire to you know to, to to widen our own experiences and to build something that 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 could be exciting. That could be doing things in a just in a different way, mm. uh, approaching things in a, in a in a different way, and and um, you know, not really knowing where it was going to be honest. And and eventually it was just two of us running running it. And then um, uh, by by two thousand and nine ten, we kind of felt that we'd run it. It did run its course. And then we we handed it over to to someone who'd been working with us. Who then took on the took on the business and carried on, and then a year later I started in Brighton, and that that, that was the transition then from then to, to coming in board at, uh, at Brighton. Yeah, and Brighton Fringe was a um, uh, a festival that I I'd, I'd known about. I considered setting up a sweet venue in Brighton 
um, I think as early as 2005, um, where I got to know the people who were running it here, and I came down a few times during the festival, um, and uh, I didn't feel that we were quite ready yet for it. I, I had a show that I produced at the Brunswick um, in 2000, and I think it was 2008 or 2009. Um, uh, but apart from that, I'd just been there as a punter, as, as sort of a, an arts industry person, just hovering around looking looking at it. And I just felt like it was on the verge of becoming something really great. But I likened it to um, a one-year-old puppy. You know, <laughs> you know. Have you got a dog? No, I have a no, no, no. So you, know, you you get a Labrador uh, or something, and, and 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 by 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 the time they reach a year, they're pretty much full size, but they're still a puppy. And they're like, what are these? <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, squirrel! <laughs> ah! And, and so there's, um, you know, that, that you've got starting to get the strength, starting to get the power, but you don't really necessarily have the brain. Um, not to say they didn't have the brain, but they didn't necessarily know what they were capable of. Mm. Um, and and I saw, I was like looking at it from the outside, and I saw having seen what Edinburgh, you know, festival is like, and what goes on there I thought let's let's we can do something here we can bring a Spiegel tent um we can you know do do things which you know to bring in bigger acts and make it a bit more visible for the for the city um you know take just bring it all together and 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 make it into something that um is uh something that we can really be proud of in the community I was working up from London though for the first five years I was commuting from Holloway uh down um nightmare very expensive lots yeah. of lots of delay repays <laughs> yeah. um uh doing them in the train you've done that uh-huh. D- delay repay you know when there were all <laughs> the strikes so i was doing my delay repay application yeah. as i was arriving at brighton station or arriving at um st pancras or, or victoria um so yeah very expensive and, and and a lot of a lot of stress then moved um in 2018 uh 16 2016 i moved, moved down, down to brighton um, so yeah, so it's it, it was a uh, yeah all of those things kind of came together in the journey I suppose to come to Brighton really. And talk to me then about we I guess that that period as well I guess with um, uh, with Brighton Fringe and taking it over and and within events and, and something as the magnitude of Brighton Fringe and from an events point of view talk to me about. March 2020, and the, the the challenges around that. What what sort of hit you then? Like what's your mindset around that stage? You, you know, Brighton Fringe become what where it's become and mm. and grown it to that stage. And then wh- where did your mindset? Yeah, March I mean, I, I that is a pivotal moment. I think for for everyone, yeah, yeah. honestly, um, for us, we just had our biggest ever year. Um, 2019 festival we'd had something like 600 just over 600,000 people attending the fringe we had just over a thousand events um, you know somewhere around five and a half thousand performances 180 venues um, and 2020 was looking amazing I mean we were ahead of predictions and sales from the start you know we we, we, we printed 
um, 100,000 brochures and family guides and we distribu distributed them around the city. We've been open for ticket sales since February. Um, we'd sold over a hundred thousand pounds worth of tickets. Uh, we were three weeks out from the from the venue builds, um, and then everything stopped, and it was very confusing because we somehow felt before it that it wouldn't apply to us somehow. You know, they were talking. I, I mean, back in f early February. We received an email from a, a street performer in South Africa. He's the, um, he calls himself the African Warrior Street statue. You know this, the, the, the statues. Yeah. And he wrote an email saying, um, "I've heard that Brighton Fringe is going to be cancelled um, because I, that means I, I can't come." And I said. Of course not. <laughs> Don't be so stupid. You can't possibly cancel Brighton Fringe. Who do you think you are? Um, and and um, uh, so I wrote to the council. I wrote to the events manager of the council. And I said, is there any advice uh, about, about COVID uh, or COVID or coronavirus, um, uh, as it was? And, um, and he wrote back saying, no, no, I don't know. No, nothing. N not that I'm aware of. I'll, I'll, I'll ask the, the head of public health. And there was nothing from the council about advice uh, early Feb. Yeah. By a month and a half later, we were in lockdown. So the, 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 the speed with which things changed was, was breathtaking. I was at the, the Dutch ambassador's residence in, um, on Exhibition Road uh, 10 days before lockdown with cultural attaches from what must have been 30 countries. Um, talking confidently about our international season of whatever it was, 150 shows from 35 countries. Um, uh, talking about about all of that, everybody was there from all over the world, um, uh, and saying, "Yeah, this is this is fine." They were talking about maybe stadiums might close, but because the fringe, there's, there's no more venues above 500 capacity. Um, they were thinking that, that maybe that will happen. And then when Boris came on saying, that's it, was it 18th of March or something, uh, we were, it was being dropped, we were dropped off a cliff, really. Um, suddenly, we had to pulp the brochures, bring, recall the brochures. Um, 15 tonnes of paper was pulped. We won an environmental award. Okay. Which was a a, 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 a pyrrhic <laughs> victory. Um, <laughs> got a certificate in the office for our <laughs> environment, our, our contribution to uh, to recycling. Um, we were really staring down the barrel of the gun. It was about three hundred and fifty thousand uh, pounds we had to find. Um, the board, as it was, wanted to close the fringe down, um, not close, close, but to you know, keep me on board um, and uh, one other member of staff and um, a, uh, a, a, a sort of an available amount of money each month for a, for a third person. Uh, and then everybody else goes. And I couldn't cope with that thought. I thought that we need to be there for our sector. Brighton Fringe is an open access arts festival. We represent thousands of people 
who are hit hardest by this pandemic. And I couldn't live with myself to, first of all, let, well, let the staff go is one thing, but just not be there to help create or have a, be a platform, however it is, in the end being was online and, and, and in, 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 in live, um, at a time when everything has just fallen off a cliff. So we, we put out, uh, we, we said to artists, uh, we said to, to customers, um, instead of claiming your money back, would you like to donate? Would you like to donate to the Fringe or would you like to donate to the artists? So we were, uh, it was a very complicated um, piece of work to unpick uh, tickets and this is going to go to the artists, this is going to the venue, this is going to go to the Fringe. This is, uh, I want to keep this as a credit um, for, for or a voucher for later. Um, and uh, our, our biggest funder, the Pebble Trust, uh, agreed to step in uh, to underpin our operations. Um, and uh, there were some you know, very difficult meetings with the board and very big disagreements. And in the end, the board agreed to step down in en masse. And the, the Pebble Trust effectively took over the fringe. Um, and still the chair of the chair of the fringe is still um, Jamie Arnell, who's who's um, a director of the Pebble Trust. Um, and it was an emergency board. Um, only one other board member, I'm also on the board, remained. And uh, we decided that we would we would make this make 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 things happen. So we decided to do an autumn uh, season of Brighton Fringe. When things started to open up, there was all the eat out to help out mm. and all that kind of thing. And meanwhile, the Warren, um, which was our biggest venue, they did a uh, a, a warren on the beach, um, which w really caught the zeitgeist. Actually, it was a, a really amazing um, experience for for everybody to be able to go out for the first time. And I, I remember the first time going out to see a show after what was six months of of lockdowns and yeah. everything closed. I had tears in my eyes just to think I'm sitting here in a theatre watching live performance. It was a really emotional time. Cause w um, was, there, was there a point um, amidst it all where you thought, we may never get back to that? Or did that ever enter your mind? Did you always think, um, we'll be back? Uh, yeah, I mean, it did. I mean, I, I, I'd be going into work every day. Uh, I did go to the office um, because I had my kids every other week. Um, and we do the... The, the the lonely drive to Cobham Services on the M25 to do the ch the, to the the exchange with my ex-wife in in London, and um, uh, driving back N never have I ever got there so fast or got back so fast. It was amazing. I was just waiting to be stopped by the police, um, but that apparently they they allowed you to uh, exchange your kids um, go be go beyond a mile uh, because of Boris because he's got so many children that he was also doing that. So um, <laughs> and as we know, it didn't really matter for him anyway. It was yeah, whatever the rules course, uh, didn't apply. Um, so uh, we um, doing that. So I was going in and out, uh, homeschooling them in my office with no other members of staff around, um, and in the end also helping one of my sons through his exams. And he was sitting in my office, and I was invigilating his exams. At that time, it was it was weird because you you know you're, you're running a festival, but not able to run a festival <laughs> and, and, and it, it was coming in every day thinking god you know what do we actually do? do do i do i still do this and and you really don't 
it, it does discombobulate your brain. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, but we did just keep, you know, aiming forward. Um, we were heartened by what the, what, what, what um, other place did with the Warren on the beach. We created the, 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 the Brighton Fringe autumn season, um, which was a 50-50 online and uh, live thing. That about 11,000 people came. Um, yeah. which was a triumph mm. you know wow. it was uh, and uh, I, uh, and and actually the the venue that was was bigger that w was part of it the most was sweet venues um so J JD Henshaw um who took over or effectively found refounded sweet venues yeah. really because yeah, you know it, within these organizations it's it's something that you create it's your it's your baby and, and he made it his baby and it's uh, I, i'd say that he founded sweet venues just as much as i did because he you know he created um it in his in his image as well um he came and he did um stuck his neck out and did 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 the venue in the autumn season um as part of brighton fringe and it was fantastic it was a really emotional yeah. moment for everybody to be able to do that and with that under our belts we felt confident that no matter what happens we will do a bigger fringe in 2021 and we did in 2021 even despite all of the SHIT that yeah. was, was hitting the fan at any given time. Um, deadlines were pushed and chucked out the window, but we did do what was in the end a six-week fringe in, 20, in, in 21 yeah. um, with the Warren, with the Spiegel tent, um, all with social distancing, all sorts of pandemics and, um, uh, you know, people having to, st to get getting um having having to go off and and, and self-isolate um super spreader events <laughs> occurring yeah um and all of this general parlance which now feels like a distant memory uh -huh. um was just we were just living through it and trying to make it happen and in the end brighton fringe is a platform for people to take part in the arts uh -huh. and if we had gone the way that the old board had wanted and they did it completely with good faith and I, and I and it was an incredibly difficult decision and difficult time and they worked incredibly hard we were having weekly board meetings it was you know it, it, it was incredibly difficult um, but if we'd gone that way then I fear we wouldn't we wouldn't have actually come back mm. we wouldn't have been able to because later down the line we, we were able to apply for Arts Council emergency support there was the furlough scheme so we were able to keep people in the end by the by the end of it um we only lost one member of staff wow. um and that was great ironically since the pandemic has finished that's when things have become hardest um the actual the period post-covid has been the most difficult um because the covid support stopped but the fringes got smaller revenues have got smaller You've almost got to rebuild. Yeah. What, what, what so th that that's the, the the thing really that I suppose is a uh, is brushed under the carpet slightly is that you know Brighton Fringe doesn't get funding uh, from the state. Um, it gets bits and pieces. Less than three percent of our funding comes from public sources. Um, it's earned income through registration fees. Uh, sponsorship and advertising, yeah. various different partnerships, um, uh, commissions from from the ticket sales. 
donations and friend scheme and so on. Mm. Um, but the but we for the first time started to receive public funding because there was nothing nothing else, mm. and all of the commercial side has really slowed down even since the pandemic because businesses have been hit, and that's been hard. And, and obviously, I guess the current climate talk of recession etc and those things there is still that w- within any industry i guess but especially uh, i guess events and 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 that type of thing such such a hard hit industry uh, as a whole like you said just looking at that that coming out of it and i think a lot of for, for me people i've spoke to within the events industry why it got hit so hard is because there's so many even from a recruitment point of view there's so many like supply chain all the way down the line to put on a large-scale event it's not just the people who get up there and perform but everything that goes on in the background leading up to to that the, the whole process of just putting on an event but to the magnitude of however many thousands of, mm. of, of, of events that you put on throughout fringe mm. it's such a huge thing to, like you said everything that in, in between mm. and, and, and don't forget um, that because the fringe is an open access arts festival um, what you're talking about with the fringe is many 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 independent businesses mm. many 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 independent largely unfunded um, artists venues producers and and you know freelancers mm. working uh, yeah doing doing what they do um, because that's their their side of mm-hmm. the their, their, their business um, um, and falling beneath thresholds. So some businesses had a turnover of less than 50 grand, so they couldn't apply for the government support. Um, they may be freelancers who haven't been in business for very long, so they couldn't apply for the freelance support because based on your tax returns, yeah. you'd be able to apply for, um, uh, for government support. So they fell beneath the cracks because the fringe is about grassroots um, people starting out a lot, mm. and quite an unconventional way of doing things. I, you know, going back to the start of this conversation, it, it's everything that I've kind of done has been a bit unconventional, and that's the nature of the fringe. It's a very unconventional mm. um, group of people who are very bad-tempered, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> impossible <laughs> to manage. <laughs> but but that's also okay because that's the way. It's a bit of a microcosm of the world, really. No one no one really. Yeah. ever agrees and 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 uh, nothing's ever really completely finished okay i guess the other thing that i want to take out from what, what you sort of said about the emotional side of it obviously you know when it did start to return because i think so many people you know possibly me including you take events small scale large scale whatever they look like uh, as a little bit for, we took them for granted before they're just you know i want to go and see a show i'll go and their show and great I've had a great experience not everything that's gone into the background of putting that show on and all the supply mm. chain etc how much that was affected when there was that point I remember m- you know something I remember my brother we, we were both massive Oasis fans I remember him messaging me about Nebworth and like when it was a 25 year anniversary me and him was there but uh, at Nebworth and go, imagine like we might that may our kids might not experience something that magnitude ever again like that's that's where you were that's what I was alluding to in that point so I'm saying is there a point where you think like this may never come back to that sort of thing and I guess what what we realised throughout the lockdown is how much we took that for granted and when we could come back 
the the joy of being around other people and being in an event space and being able to go and sit, sit in a theatre and watch a live show. How magical that yeah that whole thing was. No, it really was. Um, I think that um, it you know taking away all of the difficulties mm. to get there. You mentioned supply chains. Mm. You know, really difficult to find people to work for you as well because mm. people have left the industry mm. um, you know it's it's a it's an inconvenient truth but brexit has affected things massively mm. um, particularly a lot of stuff that was coming over from from Europe you know all of the paperwork to bring a Spiegel tent over from Belgium mm. um, is incredibly costly um, and the the border force and the, the customs people are they're kind of making it up as they go along or they were mm. and that made things hard and it wasn't helped by our government you know saying things like retrain in cyber um, and all of that <laughs> stuff and y you're thinking just for God's sake really honestly <laughs> really um, and and it it it's it hard and, and you know in the end there are people who I know I know a really great dance live performance and dance producer uh, in the Netherlands uh, and uh, he, he, he left the industry became a became a, a delivery driver for um, uh, you know doing ubers and and doing things like deliveroo um, and he's not gone back he's ended up he's just ended up doing 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 those other things and a lot of lot of jobbing performers and so on are, are Gotta, you gotta earn you. Yeah. You gotta earn your crust, and that's that's really hard. Um, so when you did come back, uh, and we were able to see it all happen, the joy of being able to just open the gates and mm -hmm. see the people flood in to the to the venues and and just the queues, even though there was social distancing in 2021 or in 2020, and then in 2022, um, just everybody just being able to come back and pack into the venues um, was amazing but you notice that there are differences mm. you know, audiences behave differently now um, they don't book in advance as much as they used to mm. so the uncertainty is much greater um, even on the day of the performance a lot of the shows still haven't sold all the tickets and, and people will be coming up on the door oh is, is this show, show on uh, can I get in can I get a ticket? Um, so people aren't aren't working in the same way as before, and, and that that that's the same across the industry and indeed across the world. I talk to a lot of colleagues across, uh, yeah, America, Australia, and um, uh, and across Europe, and and it's the same the same story mm. everywhere that the audiences are they are coming back, maybe slightly lower than they were, um, but uh, they they book very very late. And so it's really difficult to plan um, and and predict, and and a lot of the costs are a lot higher. So we're, we're speculating a lot. The stress, the stress on, I guess you as an organizer, as a CEO, what, what's that? Is that just an additional pressure now, or have you gone through what you could imagine as the worst part of running that that uh, running fringe to now go? Actually, it's only gonna we, we can only we, we've gone to the to the rock bottom we, we're only gonna I think uh, you know each year you get to a year and you think 
glad that year's over. <laughs> uh, it can only get better. Yeah. Um, we had that in 2020 yeah. to 2021. And we had that from 2021 to 2022. And we've got that now from 2022 to 2023. And each year it's gone slightly lower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we've gone from global pandemic uh, to, you know, still global pandemic, but restrictions are easing. Uh, global pandemic somehow over. Um, World War Three. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and and it, it's kind of um, hold my beer. Um moments with uh you know what could possibly else go wrong and and yeah and then cost of living crisis and you know it, it, it is gonna be hard next year and, and, it, and it has you know last year was difficult but we still did have some covid support this year is the hardest year without a doubt it, it, this is the first year that i'm still at this stage and i cannot balance the books um, and you know, I, I'm st we're still working out things that we would like to do. Mm. You know, we're, we're thinking about setting up a new venue um, to replace the Warren, which sadly um, wasn't able to return due to COVID and and and, and financial um, pressures that they were facing. So that we've already lost, you know, our biggest venue, mm. and so we're we're looking to set up a new one. Um, get sponsors in, you know, work out what the booze sales are going to be like and trying to bring in partners mm. left, right and centre to be able to make that happen. But there's so much speculation. Uh, we just don't know. We know how great the fringe is. You know, with it, the, Even in a smaller year, we had £14 million for the local economy in a month. Um, you know, it was £22 million in 2019. Um, I think that's the, the for me, like listening to you twice, it's been so fascinating. One listen like to this conversation, but just when we first met and and and, and having a coffee and, and listening a little bit more to it. Like, but for me, the key is how much is needed. Like from from a community point of view, from from you know, from the industry's point of view alone, but from, from what what people crave and what we need as individuals, as a society, we we wanna be entertained, we wanna be out amongst people like that online was we all survived with online and it worked and it's still great and I still use it in business today and it's got technology is amazing irrespective of all those things I would 100% rather be at a live event from a networking point of view for example to, to sitting online and mm. doing it over a thing because we crave that as a society we want that social interaction and fringe obviously just creates so many opportunities to have fun as you mentioned and uh, but not just from a, a punter's point of view but from the people that are involved in it that put on the shows that are creating those creating those opportunities for people to follow their dreams and do what they want to do yeah that's no, exactly and I, and I think it, it's a uh, it's nothing can really replace the transient joy that you experience of sitting down or standing up you know, beer in your hand or not um, and watching the lights go up and the anticipation the unpredictability the uh, you know that it's in the air you don't get that online you know we, we talked about the, the world is going to change everyone's going to be watching shows online um, we invested money in the digital set digital side and 
you know, it tanked after 2021. That n no one was really wanting to watch shows online. I mean, people do, that, but it's it's about one percent mm. of the of the audiences were wanting to watch online. They wanted to go out. Yeah. They wanted to interact. They wanted to share the same space. Because we, we was taken from us, wasn't it? It was that like I said that taken for granted. That was taken from us, and you actually go, oh, I might the thought of not having that again mm. was so right. And then when it's back, you go, you can't want to take that for granted anymore. That's an amazing experience. Those experiences. I want my kids who are seven years old to have to go to a gig and have that experience that I've had to be thrown around and and listen to live music whilst belly laugh at a comedian in front of you in when you're in a ten with ten people in a room, whatever that looks like. Everything in between. They're mm. amazing experiences that you don't you just don't get on, on No, life. you don't. And and it, and it's it's it, it, it is something that is vital for community, for society, for culture. Um just it it, it helps us know who we are yeah. to go and see um, and commune with other people, watching a comedian, yeah. going and watch a gig, you know, th and, and, and the fact that there are these other festivals happening, you know, they've got the Great Escape Music Festival happening at the same time as mm -hmm. the Fringe. Um, Artists Open Houses, which is, you know, going into people's houses and um, uh, to, to see art exhibitions and installations and sculptures and, and buy and sell art. And then you've got Brighton Festival, which is, you know, the, the, the great and the good of the arts establishment coming yeah. together, doing some interesting um, uh, and awe inspiring stuff with a higher budget. Um, a lot of stuff can be also free because they can afford to be able to do those sorts of things yeah. as well. And then there's the fringe, which is a bit all comers, anyone who doesn't quite fit in anywhere else um, doing what they, they want to do because we, we don't decide what happens at the fringe. Anyone can just register and say, I want to do it. As long as it's legal, um, you're in. Um, and you know, we do the community events, out outdoor stages. Um, we did a, a, a Jubilee picnic. The Queen kindly didn't die during Brighton Fringe this year. Um, and uh, we, uh, so we did a Jubilee um, <coughs> celebration uh, in the final weekend of the Fringe. And it's all free kids events um yeah it's it, it's it, it is that com it, it, it is something that everybody will always remember yeah. and you can go and see a good or a bad fringe show but you don't hate the fringe you might hate the show but y you might oh god that was dreadful you know a terrible uh terrible show but then that's just the way it goes yeah. and it's experience and it's something you can talk about in the pub afterwards anyway yeah. you know, it's like, oh yeah wasn't that dreadful shit whatever <laughs> um but you, know. you still to exactly it's exactly it's that communication. That's what I mean. I still I remember in, in 2020 when, like you said, when first come back in autumn. And first, I think there was I went to part of it in Jubilee um, Square. Maybe there was something going on, and 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 I've been to the Speedwell Tent and other bits and pieces. And it's just such, like you said, whatever show you go to, whatever it's just a different experience. I remember taking the kids to certain certain bits and. Buying Jim being there and doing some stuff and other, you know, it's just that it is a community and that's what's fascinating about mm. it. I'm, I'm keen just listening to you talk that like, from your long career within the events industry. Like people I've had in the events industry on here before talk about that, you know, putting on events, putting on large scale things and, and having that sort of wow moment mm. when you sort of sit back, it's done and you go and look back and go, wow. Like the, 
tell me about, like, mate, is there some standout moments for you over the, despite all the, we obviously talked about a lot of the changes, but despite all that, with those moments over the last decade or whatever, tell me about something that stood out where you've actually gone, what's your biggest wow moment, I guess? Would it be the coming back for Fringe Freak for you? Or? Uh, I'd say the wow moment comes every year. Um, and in a way, it's what keeps me going, doing what I do, or helping facilitate or provide the platform for other people to do what they do, which is watching stuff being built. You know, all of the plans become reality. So every every year, it's it, you're starting from scratch, really. Mm. So it's it's like refounding everything. So the, the, the when when the when the trucks rock up onto the sites, you can see the venues getting built, um, and and you feel excitement around the city. You feel it's like the, it it might just be in your head, and it probably is to be honest. There's probably lots of people just wandering around not even knowing it's happening. But as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> <laughs> it's the most amazing thing ever. It's the wow moment to end all wow moments. Is is watching. All the things that were just emails, uh, just documents, just print or web listings become real uh, before your eyes. And people are working like day and night to make, to make this happen. And then the secondary wow moment is going in to the venue for the first time and looking around. And it's real now. All the things you've been thinking about for a whole year are real and that's the wow for me wow <laughs> <laughs> what a brilliant way to describe you can tell like what, what's so fascinating you just tell the passion that you've got for for the industry for fringe for everything just comes out like as, as you're describing it and and it is it's a it's a magical part of our community and something that I guess listening to you talk and, and, the, sh and the struggles that obviously still face you and and, uh, and ahead but and hopefully listeners and people will, will, will get behind Fringe and support because I know, I know as a punter as someone that's come and watched Fringe for, for, for many years and, and look at it and just go how much we took so much for granted how much we need it and it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's I guess just asking for people to reach out and go look get behind it because it's a uh, it's an a uh, it's such an amazing experience listening to you talk about those wow moments and for you i guess as well for someone that's been on the other side and created shows and gone and put something on to know that these people with them hopes and dreams going i want to go and try something and you've created a platform to allow people to do that yeah i mean it, it, it and it and it is a really really fragile construct the fringe it's it's not a it's not a big beer moth organization. It's not Live Nation. No. It's not Festival Republic. It's not. It's not these mama mama group. That that we're not. It, it we're a group of. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's like running away to join the circus. <laughs> you know, the, the lo lots of people poorly paid, not paid. Um, the fringe central office. There's only four full time staff. Um, five or six part-timers um, and then you've got lots of people who are just passionate about what they do 
and teetering on a knife edge. Really, it really is. It could be the last ever fringe this year. You know, it, it, it it's that serious mm. that that y- people. It's the thing that people take for granted and think, oh yeah, that's great. Um, and 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 I suppose, you know, my my pitch to the council or to the arts council or government and so on is you just don't know what you've got till it's gone. Mm. And people, uh, you know, the people in power, the people with, you know, that influence need to to understand that. You know, this is England's largest arts festival. Kind of let that sink in. England's largest arts festival. That's bigger than Glastonbury. That's bigger than the proms. It's it's the, the only other festival in, in the UK that's bigger than that is Edinburgh uh, in, in, in the UK. It, it, and, and so it is a it's a it's a, a really important cultural event that the city is incredibly proud of and loves. Mm. Um, but you don't necessarily know. Um, yeah, you know, you don't know what it you've got till it's gone, really. And there's it's a it's a. Um, and I and I will work till my last breath to make sure, given the s- how stubborn I am. <laughs> Uh, to make sure that this th- that the fringe goes on from strength to strength, um, but you know, it's it, I'm not going to pretend it's not it's not incredibly difficult. Mm. Had 2020 gone the way it could have gone, you know, we would be a different conversation now. Conversation, but it, but the, the pandemic has completely changed um, really everything, the, the whole state yeah. of it. It's made us stronger, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's also put a lot of people, you know, into an enorm- enormous amount of difficulty. And it's really interesting, just again, listening to you talk about that and, and, and coming back to what you mentioned from your childhood and growing up and going through school, but the, the resilience and stubbornness that you've built up from a young age to... Because I'm sure there's certain people would be sitting in front of me having a different conversation because the difficulties you have faced over the last few years and still facing, I guess, now could be potentially an option to go, you know what, uh, enough's enough. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually, you know what, I, I can't take any more of this, so I'm going to go. And mm. But again, back to that question around success and what that looks like f- to get, I guess, to a point, that financial sort of side of it, again, that we mentioned, what you create with Fringe and listening to you talk about it, it's purely that we do things that we love doing. And that's... that's I guess the essence of what it, what you, the platform that you're creating with Fringe, you're giving people those opportunities to, to do the things that they love doing. And mm. if ultimately what we want out of life is to live a fulfilled, happy life, that's what, what you're creating in, mm. in that space. And that's why it's so important because that's all we actually, what we crave for as individuals. That's actually what we want: money and success. Yeah, I think I, th- I think it's important not to let that thought stay with you too much um, about the how it, how much it means to everyone. I don't get up in the morning and think about you know changing the world. Um, I just want to get on with it. Mm. I don't. I'm not going to rest on my laurels. Mm. Um, think about you know I, I'm on a mission to make something happen. Mm. Um, but I I can't think about uh, too much about the um you know how how amazing it is 
I can talk about it here. Yeah. Um, but when it comes down to it, we've got to get, we've got to get it done. We've got to make the um, create a, an environment for people who are in a lot of difficulty financially mm. um, to to be able to to put on work, to to do what they believe in, um, to you know, and then for audiences to come and be entertained in the end. So it's it's sort of nuts and bolts yeah. job. We're, we're just on the coal face, just you know, go, going in there and, and <laughs> making it work. I'm sure when Mozart was making a, not that I'm Mozart <laughs> by any <laughs> means, but with, with Mozart's making a, you know, a piano concerto or something, he just wants to make something great, yeah. um, want something that sounds great. He's not thinking about being famous necessarily. He just wants yeah. to create something that he's happy with. That he thinks is is the right is 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 is, is um, complete, yeah. um, and then the, then it would be for the audience to decide whether they, they like it or not. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's something that you know d- doing something you you believe will be worthwhile, really. Julian, it's been fascinating, change. We're, com- we're coming towards the end. I, I just you sort of answered this, I guess, a, a little bit anyway, but just. Talk to me a little bit about, I guess, the, what does the future hold for you and what you know, what next? Uh, I mean, the future holds for me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not planning on going, really? going anywhere. I'm, uh, I'm, I really want Brighton Fringe to be the, the you know, talk about it being a puppy. Um, Ten years on, eleven years on, I had my eleventh anniversary at Brighton Fringe yesterday. Congratulations! Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> weird. It feels <laughs> like it feels like my ten-year anniversary. It feels like my twenty-year anniversary. Maybe. <laughs> um, I, what does the future hold? It really a lot depends on this coming year. Mm. I'll be honest. Um, there will always be a fringe, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. But it, it, the, the, I think the future is amazing. Brighton Fringe. Um, it stands. Uh, you know. To be able to be an entity that serves the the, the the group of people that it represents better and better, mm. um, but we just need to make sure we've got steady, diversified income mm. to be able to sustain it, because there are other festivals and organisations in the city that are already bedded in with the Arts Council and government funding and council funding, and that's not going to move. So we've got to face the realities that we you know that other people face we're not when we, we are just gonna um, uh, grow steadily but put our money where our mouth is um, and you know invest in, uh, in 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 new ventures like this new venue hopefully we'll make it work still still on still on the line still looking for sponsors and still wanting to wanting to be able to uh, make that happen um, and that you know whether we do that venue or not, there will still be stuff going on. We will still make it make it happen. But I, I'm confident. You know, I sit here confident, touching wood, that we'll see uh, uh, over the next three years uh, the fringe going from strength to strength, and having learned a lot. Mm. And I'm sure it will. And mm. um, like I say, hopefully, listen, people get behind it and support because it, it really. It mm. really needs it, and it's something we need to have definitely. But um, look, we're going to finish as always with our quick fire questions. So I'm going to chuck this at you. What 
what one piece of advice would you give to your 18 year old self uh, don't be afraid to be different that's my key thing uh, I think I'll probably say to say to my kids um, just don't, 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 don't let your peer group decide who you are um, I think that doesn't that does you a disservice um, it's amazing yeah. love that who has inspired you in your career and why uh, crikey um, one person or have to be, no, it could be do you know I, I think what inspires me are the artists who put on the work Having been an artist, um, I find it inspiring that there is that creative energy from people of all ages, mm. and and I suppose that, uh, the participants we call we call them um, of Brighton Fringe and and Edinburgh Fringe and and so on um, are the inspiration, are the reason why I do what I do. Um, it's because there is a need mm. I believe and and so that, that those are the people who are the most inspiring for me they're a pain in the ass <laughs> sometimes um, but you know in the end that's that that you, know, that you take the rough with the smooth love it brilliant um, can you recommend a book or a podcast that you've listened to or heard that you can recommend to that's had an influence on you um there's one book that um, kind of had a resonance with me, and I've read it twice, is To Kill a Mockingbird, um, which is um, a really touching story. And I, th I suppose I identified with it because it's told through the, 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 the eyes of a child. Mm. Um, and they are alone ostensibly in their quite privileged world and um, then there's this this trial with the um, with a black person who's accused of a, of a crime and the father defends um, that, that that person and, and it's seen through the eyes of the child and I suppose it's that again not being afraid to be different going against the grain mm. uh, standing up for what you believe in that that kind of thing um, stays with me as, as, a, as a book as a piece of as a piece of work um, and remains a, I suppose it's a literary classic um, and podcasts I I guess I I, I, I listen to I, 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 I walk around with my um, ear pods in and my partner's taking the piss out of me I'm just constantly <laughs> listening to BBC sounds yeah. <laughs> whatever's on <laughs> <laughs> any, 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 any. Take your something, pick. Something that entertains you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I kind of disappear into, into. That's um, the beauty of, of anything like that. Again, back to stuff that stuff that you create. That people absorb stuff in different ways, don't they? Content, especially and and podcasts. One of the reasons I love doing this so much, or I love listening to podcasts. I just love that that conversation. Hopefully, listeners and people they feel part of that conversation you can dip in and out of yeah. someone and yeah. gain so much from it whether it be the amount of people I talk to about podcasting it's not just I love the business ones because that's what, what I'm interested in but the amount of people that go oh, that's 
from comedy point of view, like the, the, the comedy podcasts are fascinating and they make you laugh mm. so much. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They're brilliant and people take that from... Exactly. From I'm fascinated by history. I'm fascinated by society. I'm fascinated by politics. I'm fascinated... I mean, the war in Ukraine is a whole, you know, hot mess of, of, of things. But it goes beyond the, the war. It's a whole socio-political thing and it's like a massive jigsaw puzzle and I'm f uh, fascinated by the psychology of that whole process and I, 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 I if there's anything that I'm interested I, I, the thing I'm interested in most is the human psychology yeah. that's that's uh, so I, I, I'll every, just how people think where the mind goes why people behave certain ways mm is is something that i find intensely fascinating this putin uh is is a fascinating individual mm. um and his perspective on the world that's how it's found formed and where he's going and and what he could do and the sort of geopolitical relationship between the sides you know everybody's <laughs> got blood on their hands somewhere mm. over the centuries you know millennia mm. um and i, I find that whole you know, wider thing. So, th uh, really fascinating. So, I, I suppose that's what I do in my spare time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love it. I love it. Well, look, final one before we wrap up. What, what, what is your one rule for living a fulfilled life? Um, don't forget, you've got a home. Uh, you've got a family. You've got a partner. Um, don't forget there's still washing to be done uh, there's cook food to be cooked dishwasher to be emptied um, so I suppose in the end is keep your feet on the ground love that love that what a great way to wrap up <laughs> mate listen thank you so much for coming on it's been fascinating chatting to you it really has and uh, I know we only met a few weeks back and I was so excited about having you on and just listening to you talk so passionately about what you do and what freedom's all about is is really truly inspiring and um, I hope listeners really get behind it and because freedom is something that, w that, that we need in, in this city and we need as a society I think so and as a community so listen thank you for sharing your story with us and thank uh, you and look forward to working with you on fringe as well and yeah. support it as much as we possibly can so um, and that as they say is a wrap thank, thank you. you sir cheers I believe every business owner has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picture Book Films.